0: I said, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Year. Again, Happy New Year. Year. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad to hear more than five of you are here this morning and awake and alive. I hope some of you got some caffeine. Some of you might need to go get some caffeine. God bless you. We good this morning? All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you here this morning on this first Sunday in 2018. Uh, for those of you who are not uh, aware, we, City of Lights, here in Indianapolis, are part of a larger spiritual family called Every Nation Ministries. And uh, you just saw a video that was Pastor Steve Murrell, who is the president of Every Nation Ministries. And Every Nation Ministries is a, really a spiritual family that spans the globe, literally all across the world, we have these, this family that believes in church planting, in world missions, in campus ministry, and once a year is when we really intentionally have a time of focus, prayer, and devotion together. And I'm excited about uh, last week, last year, the devotionals and the, the daily videos that they had were just phenomenal. And I want to encourage you, uh, one, it would give you a great opportunity just to join your faith with others around the world and to collectively believe for God to do some things in us. But also, I want to encourage you to partake with us. There's going to be more information that Trisha's going to bring at the end. When we talk about fasting, I know some of you, you can get a little bit nervous because you've already made dietary or food adjustments for your for your, uh, for your 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 2018 resolutions, but really the point of it is to abstain from something, to to give up something, and to replace it, not just to get rid of it. Some people said, you know, just not eating isn't fasting, that's just starving yourself. The goal is that we are replacing, we're giving up something, we're setting things aside and to replace that with spending time and cultivating time with intimacy with the Lord. Time of prayer, time of devotion. The goal isn't just to not eat, it's not to get a boost on your diet wishes for 2018. It's intimacy, it's connection with God. And particularly the focus this year is going to be in Ephesians and really talking about being in Christ. What does that mean to be in Christ? So I really want to encourage you, partake, you know, whether it's giving up, you know, some of, I know some people like to delete all the social media apps off their phone. You know, give up, don't just give up Brussels sprouts. You know, you wanted to give that up anyway. You know, and I'm not talking about Brussels sprouts with bacon does not count. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just you just covered over. I had some Brussels sprouts with bacon. I was like, I felt guilty eating the Brussels sprouts. Uh, but but really think about what is something that consumes my time, that consumes me, that I can take it out of my life. For those, some of you might be familiar with Lent or the Lenten season. Very similar thing. So I'd encourage you to participate in that. You know, this, we come into this time and... I know that this is like the promise-making season. How many of you have already made, you got your 2018 New Year's resolutions going? Raise your hand. Anybody starting anything 2018? Man, we got some, not a lot of goal setters. I know probably probably some of you, you're, you're a little sheepish because instead of setting new ones, you just re up the ones in 2017 that you didn't quite accomplish and you're hoping, okay, this year, this year I'm actually gonna make good on that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of similar with that. I've got a love-hate relationship with New Year's resolutions for that very reason. You know, my problem is that what I would tend to do is set these really, really big resolution goals without really laying some, like, small, winnable goals and just kind of skip those. Like, I remember the year where I was like, I really want to learn how to do a back handspring. Completely ignoring the fact that I didn't even be able to touch my toes in over a decade. Like, my flexibility level, that should have been my goal that year. Lord, just help me, God. Give me the strength. I need to do some Pilates. I am going to touch my toes, right? And really, the best goals to set, to, to really not just set a goal, but to actually accomplish it, kind of the two things that I've found that tend to be consistent is, one, you've got to set realistic small goals, like, realistic goals that you can get a win that will help lead you to that big goal. And the other thing that you gotta do is have a community or accountability. That's why a lot of people love CrossFit or things like that because it throws you, you don't even have to come up with the workout. You just You walk in with the sleep in your eye, the drool on your face, the workout's there, and you got a bunch of people that are grunting with you. I actually saw, it, it, the funny thing is, I was looking at Planet, uh, Planet Fitness and, and their rules, and one of the things they had is a no grunt rule. Because, you know, they don't want people, like, getting all hype and, like, you know, know, whatever that is. I'm like, I'm not intentionally grunting. I'm just on the edge of death. Uh, So if you guys can make that exception for me, I'd appreciate it. You know, one of the things I'm trying to do, I'm trying to set, you know, a small goal. I know it's not the only goal, so don't laugh at me. And if you are, like, you know, one of those, like, super, super fitness people, you're like, (laughs) that's not a goal. Well, you know what? God bless you. This is my goal. And I'm sticking to it. So one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to set small, attainable goals. So I've got this thing that I'm, that, that I'm working out this year. This is going to be one of my big wins It's just 30, 30, 30. I said I can do 30 push-ups, 30 crunches, and 30, at least 30 minutes a day in time of prayer and the Word. And the thing is there's no excuses. Like I don't have to go to the gym. I don't have to get in the car. Like you could, you could lose 30 minutes just looking through your Facebook timeline or like accidentally playing like Candy Crush or something. So I'm like, I can at least do 30 push-ups, 30 sit-ups, and so I've got these attainable goals, and I've even got my boys. I'm trying. I put it out there for Isaiah and Aaron to kind of do it along with me. They're my accountability partners, and I know there's some of you out there be like, "Kid accountability partners, you don't know my kids." Okay, Aaron will be waking me up at 5:30 to make sure that I get it done, and Isaiah has the mercy filter of his mother, which is. Just towards me. She's merciful towards everybody else. But he, he lovingly communicated to me that, Dad, you know what? You could make a great Santa Claus and you wouldn't even need much of a suit. And I was like, thank you, son. Enjoy the coal. I hope you love the coal. It looks great. Uh, so I'm excited. It's just an attainable thing. And, and, and the, the point of it is this, is that if you lose, one of my pastors once told me, he said, if you lose something long enough, you'll give up. And part of why we're doing this series is we believe that there are, we want to give you some clear practical ways to cultivate and actually not just accomplish a goal, but the greatest goal that you could, that you could ever set, not just for 2018, but for your life. What if I could tell you that there was a goal, that there was, that there was a win above all other wins? That's what this next Four weeks is all about, is achieving the ultimate win, which is knowing and walking in relationship with Jesus. In him is everything we need. In him is affirmation, is love, is provision, is hope, is joy, is peace, is health. In him is the answer. And when we seek him and we understand, as I'm going to unpack very shortly, as we seek him, he has word and wisdom and encouragement and teaching and instruction that affects every area of our lives but so often it's just one of the goals in a long list of things, and we get to the end, and even if you've accomplished some of those goals, you find yourself not quite complete. God wants you to be complete in him this year, amen? So that's what we wanna look at. Over the course of the next, of this month, we're beginning the series this week. We're in week one of a series called Spiritual Habits. We're gonna talk about four spiritual habits or disciplines. First is reading God's Word. Second, prayer, fasting, and then Christ-centered community. And the goal of this series is not just to give you another list of things that you need to do more. I hear it all the time from people. Pastor, I need to pray more. Pastor, I need to read my Bible more. Although we do want to give you practical steps, as I mentioned, practical steps to help you meet realistic goals. The goal of this series is not just to fill a notebook with some nice spiritual thoughts that you'll never look at again, you'll never reference again, it'll never make an impact. Although I do hope. And I encourage each of you, whenever you come into the house of God, come with expectation that God has a word for you. What does that mean? Come with your Bible. Come with something to write on and something to write with. Why? Because this is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. What does that mean? That means you're not just coming to spectate. You're not coming to take in the show. You're coming to be filled with power, filled with encouragement, filled for the word, and filled with instruction on how you can live it out. Y'all hear me this morning? You hear me this morning? This is for you. This isn't for the person next to you. Sometimes we can get into these moments you're like, oh, this would be a great word for so-and-so or you know you need to hear this. You need it. I need it. This isn't just so that we can fulfill religious duty. Our goal, our target, our ultimate win is connection with Jesus. We want to get connected. We want to grow in connection. We want to stay in connection with him. Today we're going to begin by talking about the spiritual habit of reading God's Word. And this morning, we're going to kick it off. We've got a video. It's, not, it's, it's a little bit longer video, but this is a video by The Bible Project. If those of you are familiar with The Bible Project, I absolutely love them. They have these incredible video and illustrated commentaries about every book of the Bible, about word studies. I'm going to talk share later about how we're going to partner together and, and go through the Bible together as a church. But I want you to turn your attention to the screens. We begin to unpack what is the Bible. Go ahead and cue that video.
2: The Bible. It is one of the most influential books in human history. It explores the big questions of why we exist. It's inspired many people to do amazing things. And confused many others. And you have probably got one sitting around somewhere. So, what is the Bible actually? Well, the Bible is a small library of books that all emerged out of the history of the people of ancient Israel. And in one sense, they were just like any other ancient civilization. But among them were a long line of individuals called prophets. And they viewed Israel's story as anything but ordinary. They saw it as a central part of what God was doing for all humanity. And... These prophets were literary geniuses. Really? Yeah, they expertly crafted the Hebrew language to write epic narratives, very sophisticated poetry, they were masters of metaphor and storytelling, and they leveraged all of this to explore life's most complicated questions about death and life and the human struggle.
1: So. There's a lot of different authors writing this book. Yeah, and these texts were
2: produced over a thousand-year period, starting with Israel's origins in Egypt, then leading up to their kingdom with their first temple. But eventually, they were conquered by the Babylonians, who took them away into exile. Then, at a crucial moment in their history, many Israelites returned to their land. They built a second temple, they reformed their identity, and this is when the Jewish scriptures began to be formed into the shape that we have them today. Okay, the Jewish Bible. What's in it? Well, in Hebrew, it's called by an acronym, Tanakh. The T stands for Torah, sometimes called the law. That's Israel's five-book foundation story. The N stands for Nevi'im, the Hebrew word for prophets. And this section consists of the historical books that tell Israel's story from the prophets' point of view. Then you get the poetic books of the prophets themselves. The K stands for ketavim, the Hebrew word for writings. This is a diverse collection of poetic books, wisdom books, and more narrative. And the Jewish people believe that through all of these literary works, God speaks to his people.
1: Now, there were other Jewish writings being produced during this second temple period as well.
2: Yeah, a really diverse group of texts. And these two were highly valued in Jewish communities. And there was debate from ancient times about whether or not some of these
1: should be considered part of their scriptures. So this is a lot of different writings over a long period of time. Why did they put them all together like this?
2: Well, altogether, these texts tell an epic story about how God is working through these people to bring order and beauty out of the chaos of our world. And it all builds up to a hope for a new life leader who would come and renew all creation and then the Tanakh concludes and this leader never comes. So it's an expertly crafted work but it's missing an ending? That's exactly right. Now a few centuries later a Jewish prophet comes onto the scene named Jesus of Nazareth. He claimed he was carrying the Tanakh story forward.
1: Yeah so Jesus did a bunch of cool stuff was killed, but his followers claimed he was alive from the dead.
2: Yeah, they said that Jesus was that long-awaited leader who would restore the world. And so his earliest followers called apostles, they composed new literary works about the story of Jesus. They called these good news or the gospel. They formed an account called Acts about the spread of the Jesus movement outside of Israel. And then they circulated letters to different Jesus communities all around the ancient world. And they saw these writings as part of the scripture. Yeah, the apostles wrote all of this as the fulfillment of that epic story found in the Tanakh. And they were continuing the literary genius of the Jewish tradition. They also believed that God was speaking to his people through these texts alongside the scriptures of Israel.
1: So that is the Old and New Testament. But what did the early Christians think of the other Second Temple literature?
2: Well, different groups had different views about some of these books. But we know they read them and valued these texts because they passed them along with the Jewish scriptures.
1: Okay, so we have got the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures. We have got these other Second Temple period works. Then the writing of the apostles about Jesus. And that's a lot of literature, so what's in my Bible?
2: So the Christian movement has taken different forms over 2,000 years, and from the beginning, all Christians recognized the Tanakh and the New Testament as scripture. And for centuries, much of the Second Temple literature was read as part of the biblical tradition. The Catholic Church eventually made it official and called some of the books from this collection the deuterocanonical books. Some Orthodox churches used even more books from this Second Temple literature. And then in the 1500s during the Reformation, Protestant Christians wanted to go back to the oldest writings of the prophets and apostles, so they accepted only the Old and New Testaments.
1: Okay, I think I got it. But how does a collection of books produced over a thousand years by all these different authors tell one unified story?
2: Yeah, that's the question we'll address in our next video.
0: Y'all like that? I love it. I love the Bible Project. Again, um, one of the things that I'm excited to do as, as a practical step, we'll talk more about it, but as, as a community, as we read through the Bible, and they have some incredible narrative videos, and one of the things that I love about it is how they truly communicate The Scripture as one big overarching story that we are a part of today. It's in that spirit that I want you to go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is one of the uh, apostle writings, the writing of Apostle Paul. It's going to be found in the New Testament kind of the latter quarter of your Bible or latter third of your Bible if you have it with you today. Perhaps if you have a device it's going to be a lot easier to, to track. And I want to give you a little bit of the context here of what 2 Timothy is when when it comes to its place in Scripture. Now, Apostle Paul, of whom we owe a great debt for, one, preaching to the Gentiles, which is the non-Jews. He had this burden. He was given this call. Not only did he evangelize throughout uh, throughout the known world at the time, but he also wrote much of the New Testament. And he writes 2 Timothy during his second imprisonment in Rome. This was not only his second imprisonment, but it was that he was actually nearing the time that he would be martyred. And this was not a writing like some of his others, where he would write specifically to a church or a church within a community to deal with certain issues. Or sometimes he would write these what they called circuit letters, where he would write uh, this letter that was to be communicated, a theological text that was to be communicated throughout all of the churches within the early church. But this was actually something a little bit more intimate. This, this letter was really he, a, a letter that he wrote as a personal kind of final address to his what we would really consider his nearest disciple, probably the closest thing that he'd ever had to a son. That was Timothy. And as you can imagine, when you're nearing the end, when the end seems very imminent, what matters becomes really clear. The things that were a waste of time, that are frivolous, are exposed to be just that, a waste, a consumer of the most precious commodity that is time. At the same, the things that are most valuable, that, are, that sustain us, that strengthen us, that, that go on long beyond we are gone also become very clear. And so in this writing, in this very personal letter, we see Paul communicating Really, as though this may be the very last time he has an opportunity to share these things with Timothy. It's in that backdrop that I want to read and give a little bit of a flyover of this book. Now, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to take my time with this passage. I'm going to read a little bit of the overview. I would really encourage you to read the entire book it's not it's not very long it won't take you long you know if you are trying if you want to jump on the 30 30 30 God bless you but you can do it within a small time frame because what's beautiful is when you understand that it's a letter and a personal letter it's actually really great to to read a letter from beginning to end and get the full weight of it so I'm going to just draw a couple passages um, through this to give you uh, to give you a range of what he's communicating and then we're going to zone in uh, particularly on a specific passage I want to begin in chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. This is Paul to Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We see that discipleship, a transfer of knowledge, is an important thing to Paul. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, Bound in chains as a criminal. I love the way he says this. But the word of God is not bound. Verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are uh, Himanius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth. How many of us have, at times, swerved for the truth? Saying that the resurrection has already happened, and they are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands. Jumping to chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, one of the few times it's not a good thing to be swole. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. Somebody in here said, is he calling me weak? No, he called him a creep. Let's move on. Burdened with sin and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just because you might be intelligent doesn't mean you make all the right decisions. There are plenty of brilliant idiots walking this earth. Verse 10, it says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How's that for a promise to stand on this morning? Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's probably the most unpopular promise that we can think of in this current day and age. Oh, we don't want to be persecuted. Please don't, like, give me the angry face on Facebook towards my status Please don't like. I I don't want to be. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't want to mess with your truth. Do you understand that if you follow this thing out, if you follow Jesus, what what did people do to Jesus? They murdered him. So it might you might find. No, actually, the scripture says, "Indeed, you will be persecuted." Y'all hear me this morning? I know. I, I, I I like I like to preach the Bible because sometimes we just we we just get like little glance over just just cotton candy fluffed sugar coated spiritual thoughts that we build our lives off of and then get freaked out when there's opposition opposition should actually be an indicator that you're on the right track so he says while evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived verse 14 But as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. If you don't know, just to give you a little insight, Timothy's grandmother, who was Lois and his mother, who was Eunice, they trained him and they taught him from an early age of the scriptures and the ways of God. I just want to encourage you, those of you who have little ones, you sow those seeds of truth now. Even if they don't seem to be listening, even if all their responses, what is the Lord speaking to you? Um, poop. You just keep sowing those seeds, because one day that poop is going to be fertilizer for the truth of the Lord, and that's going to spring up when they least expect it. I want to encourage you, train up a child on the way they should go. There's too many people. They they, they will be super involved and super strict when it comes to setting their children's bedtimes, their children's dietary provisions, their children's screen time, but yet they just want to let their kids just figure out God on their own. I just want them to discover it. Well, you just didn't let them discover that you can't have ice cream three meals a day. Why? Because you understand that this is going to destroy you and your teeth, and I don't have that kind of dental. (laughs) So we want to train them up. He says, and how from childhood you were acquainted with the sacred risings. Acquaint your children, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then this is where I want to focus the rest of our time, as it says in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I'm going to continue as he does a farewell here in chapter 4. He says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, news feeds." Social media, books, self-help that will just pr- help them pursue and suit their own passions. Verse 4, I will turn away, they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want to read verse 16 of 3 again. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God, man or woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Jesus, help me as I continue to preach your word. Now, in this brief flyover, I really hope you can catch a little bit of the love And the weightiness that Paul has for Timothy, as you continue to read and read the whole thing for yourself, you'll see that it really isn't just this theological, uh, you know, passage. But he actually talks about you know his mom and his grandmother. And I know this about you. I've seen this in you. I want to cultivate this in you. These are words that he is saying. I care for you so deeply. And of all the things that he could have said, of all the things, all the doctrinal things he could have reinforced of all of the mysteries of the gospel that he could have chosen to take this soapbox opportunity, the two things that he leans in on or emphasizes is one, a warning against false teaching and an emphasis on the importance of the word of truth. The fact that that very word of truth, you're going to find, Timothy, it's going to be opposed cuz in case we've forgotten all men all women have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God all of us are have this proclivity towards fleshly passions and lust we want our own way and we will kick scratch bite fight whatever we can to be comfortable and to get things our way we don't want persecution But that's not the way that leads to life. We've got to hold to the truth. He enforces this in chapter 3, verse 16, and that's where I want to lean in. And he begins by saying this, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture comes out of the breath of God. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, Timothy, I want you to know that this is God's truth. Some people can make fun of Joel Osteen all the time for his smiling and his eyebrows. But one thing I do appreciate is if you go to his church or you watch his videos, you have no doubt what he thinks about this Bible. Okay, thank you. Thank you, that hand. Thank you, that hand. This Bible, this word is truth. Truth. We believe that this Bible is the Word of God, is the inspired Word, infallible Word of God. What does infallible mean? It means it is without error. It is uncompromised. I love the way Dr. Wayne Grudem puts it. He defines uh, inerrant as this. He says, the inerrancy of Scripture means that Scripture in the original manuscripts does not affirm anything that is contrary to fact that this word is true. People say, but it was was written by men. No, no, it it was written and inspired by the Holy Spirit through human vessels. That's the way that God has chosen to work throughout all of history. I'm thankful that God doesn't give up on humanity, but he made us so that he could use us and that he could move through us that we would have communion and fellowship with him. And when you look at at, um, Genesis 2, and he's designing and he's crafting man, it says that when God breathed his breath into man's nostrils, he became fully alive. He's given us his word, his God-breathed, God-inspired word, so that as we read this book, as we inhale it, that we would come fully alive. You will never be fully alive apart from knowing God's word. It is true. There are mysteries, yes. There are things that we may not, that honestly, not we may, there are things we will never understand until we are standing face to face with him. I don't know about you, I don't want to serve a God that I could figure out like a Rubik's cube. I've never done a Rubik's cube, but I saw my brother do it in front of me within two minutes. You know, some of us, we think, you know, there's people that think, oh, you know, religion is just for the people that can't figure things out. I can figure it out. No, no, you can't figure this one out. It says at one point that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And you can waste your time or you can just begin to partake and breathe him in. Know him, all scripture. It's so important that we adhere to this because if if we just deviate slightly, we open up the door to just make it whatever we want to make it. Because if it's not all true, and yet he says that his word is true, that makes him a liar. And so then we would look foolish to surrender our lives to a liar. Y'all hear me this morning? Like this is just like basic stuff here. If 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 he says that his word is true, that this is the word of life and yet it's not all true, that makes him a liar and that makes us a follower of a liar. And then we begin to twist things. You say, "Oh, you know, he's just not lying. He just didn't really understand our culture and times." You see the God of all creation that fashioned all things, that made every molecule He didn't ever foresee that we would ever question our sexuality. Y'all, I know it's quiet. It's okay. But we, like, think because we have social media now that there's, like, things that stump God. And he's like, oh, crap. I never thought of Instagram. No. How in the world do we ever communicate the word of truth if people can only read 140 characters? Like, God didn't, like, get stumped. God is not, like, sitting trying to figure out how to use, like, a touchpad. Like, can somebody show me how to use this thing real quick? No, no, no. He's the God of all creation. We can trust him. He is true. His word is true. We've got to begin with that foundation. So, one, all scripture is breathed out by God. Secondly, what does it say? He says, it's profitable. Well, why should we read it? Everybody wants to make a profit. It's profitable, it's beneficial how is it beneficial? He says, in teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. In teaching, his word instructs us for life, how to love, how to forgive, how to walk in mercy, how to steward money, how to work hard, how to prepare for the future. It's amazing how people who don't even follow God will follow godly principles and find that it benefits them. You put godly, there's people that don't care squat about the Lord, but they follow good stewardship principles that come from Scripture. I'm sure a lot of you are glad that thou shalt not steal or thou shalt not kill is something that, you know what, you don't have to be a Christian to adhere to these things, right? It brings teaching, instruction for how to adult, how to dream, how to, what to do with our dreams, how to parent, how to lead. It brings reproof, which is another word for rebuke. I know that this rebuking is not the most popular thing, but honestly, one of the greatest things that you could ever receive is a loving rebuke. If you don't have friends in your life that can, with love and truth, speak a rebuke that might make you offended or might hurt your feelings, you need to find better friends. Because you, don't need, you will never grow with just people who just agree with you all the time. You need people that love you enough that you know what, if, 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 if you're if their offense causes you to not, like, want to hang out with them or like any of their posts, that's just, that's just one of the sad things to me is, like, I just, I'm just going to put this as, like, a soapbox. But social media gets people doing just crazy stuff. And, like, one of the things that just cracks me up is social media beef. Right? Like, you're like, oh, my gosh. So you saw they unfriended me, right? They blocked me. They don't like my post. Or even... I noticed you didn't like my post. Um, what's going on? Right? Oh, was it because I rebuked you? Right? We get, so, we get so up in arms. Man, I'm thankful that this word actually brings reproof, that it helps me. Why? Because there's going to be times where I'm going to make some stupid choices. That's okay to say that. <laughs> There's some things that we do that just aren't very intelligent or even they make sense to us, but they're still wrong It goes on to say it's good for correction Now a lot of times what we think of this and again, I want to help us rethink the way that we process things when We think of correction. We think of punishment, We think of correctional facilities But really what we I love this definition of correction where it says it's an adjustment made in order to increase accuracy like if, if you play golf and you want to adjust your swing, or, or you play basketball and you need to adjust your shot, it's not to just say you are worthless, you are horrible, it's to say, you know what, I know you want to hit this target. You know what the, the word says? It tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? To, to sin is to miss the mark. So this word, it, it adjusts us, it helps us so that we can be more accurate in life, so that we can... Pursue God with greater accuracy and efficiency so that when we swerve off from the truth, God's word can get us back on track. And it says for training in righteousness, how to live rightly. Not just how to exist, not just how to do all the good things and be a good girl or be a good boy, but how to pursue Jesus and his righteousness. Then it says, Not just that it's profitable, but it says that the man and woman of God would be complete and equipped. That word complete. Now I want you to know that this word and God's word for your life is not just for those who want to go into full-time ministry. It's not even just for the spiritual things in our world. God wants you to be complete in every area. One of the most awkward things is to see somebody who spends a lot of time in the gym and they're all arms, no legs right? They get exposed at spring break. Woo! Like if you see them, if you see them behind a counter, they look jacked. And then once they step out and you see them little chicken legs. Woo! Yes. You can tell squats have not been in the workout plan. They missed it. They missed leg day for five years. Missed leg day. That's not the goal. The goal is not that we would be misshapen spiritual creatures, you know, that it's all heart. I just love. I just love. Everything is love. Like, why can't we not love? Why don't you worship the Lord with your mind as well? Forget without thinking. I don't think about anything. I just love. <laughs> right? Or it's the opposite. And we just like, it's all about the mind. That doesn't make sense to me. I would raise my hands, but I am processing how much that would actually require of me energy-wise. I want to be efficient in 2018. That's one of my goals. And so it's like if it doesn't all make sense, it's just all about the intellect. Or, or, or sometimes it's just, you know, it's all about community. It's all about community. We just community ourselves to death. You know, it's like we can't function unless I have somebody else. I can't eat by myself. I can never eat by myself. I can't watch a movie by myself. I can't think by myself. You know, I'll just, that's why I'll just turn all my devices on. I'll FaceTime everybody if I'm by myself. <laughs> God wants us to be complete. He wants you to be complete. Body, mind, spirit in your identity, in your community. You know, one of my favorite movies, and particularly the um, uh, ethnocentric revision of it, which is The Wiz and The Wizard of Oz, is, you know, all of the characters have something that they're looking for, Right? You have the scarecrow, he he wants a brain. You've got the tin man, he's looking for a heart. The lion, he's looking for courage. And of course, Dorothy, who's trying to figure out how to get home. And the great thing is the Bible is good for helping us become complete. What does that mean? The Bible renews our mind. We want to submit our minds to the lordship of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we give up our intellectualism. It doesn't mean that we stop thinking, that we just get lobotomized. However, all of our thoughts must be submitted to the truth of Jesus Christ. We have to be rebooted. We have to be reengaged. We have to allow God and his word to refine and restore our mind to its proper settings. He doesn't just save our hearts. He wants to save us all, restore us all. It wasn't like we had a couple flaws. We needed a hard reset. Our operating system was off. He wants to renew our minds. He wants to not just soften our hearts. He wants to give us a new heart. He wants to give us new passions. He wants us to, in his words, see the right way to love, a way to glorify him with, his, um, with our emotions, that we're not lorded over by our emotions, that our emotions are not God. We don't submit God to our emotions. We submit our emotions to Jesus. He wants us to have courage, a spirit of faith and boldness that's not pride, it's not arrogance, but it is a function out of a security of his word and his truth and his faithfulness, his track record of victory over history. He wants us to find home in him. We see that in his word time and time again. You'll see that as you go through the prayer and fasting, God, as we look in Ephesians of our identity in Christ, that in Christ you can be be found in him, that his word defines us, it defines our community, it defines our identity, and we can walk in a, a power and a strength and a confidence because we know who we are and whose we are. And he wants us to be equipped, not just complete, The goal is not just that you're complete. It's that we're complete and equipped, equipped to build, equipped to fight. You see, God has made us for something so much more than just accomplishing our little list. God has made us to be a people, not just a person, but a people who make significant impact in the world. And as we become complete in him, as we read his truth, as we are filled with his breath and his word, one of the things that we find is that there is a work, there is, a, there is something that we get to build together. You know, there is a, a song. It was like this old, it's one of those Kumbaya songs. You know, Michael Jackson used to sing it, Heal the world, make it a better place. There's a... Where we live in, if you care enough for the living, make it a better place for you and for me. There's this sense that, you know what, we have a responsibility to make the world better. And the reality is that sense is because that's a God-breathed vision. Scripture says that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We have a mission to make whatever we're in better because we're there. That happens. We're equipped for that as we read this word. And then he ends in that verse with for every good work. It's for every good work. It's Again, it's not just for the minister. It's not just for the city kids worker. That this word equips us to be better parents, teachers, public servants, business owners, athletes, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, roommates, missionaries, CEOs, stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads. Whatever it is God has called you to do and everything in between, this word will equip you for that work. This word is life. It's all good. It's true. And he's calling us to eat this book. Now, you could hear me and you can listen to this and say, you know what, Pastor? This is some great stuff. It's some great insight. Um, but how do I actually do this? Now, there are lots of different strategies and lots of different ways that you can engage the word of God. I, I personally think that there, when it comes to spending time in God's word, we want to be intentional, anything that's worth it, we want to be intentional about it, and we have to set some realistic goals. Now, some of you, again, like I said, you're like me, and you set the goal to do a back handspring, and you're like, um, can I touch my toes? Some of you, like, come to the beginning of the year, like, I'm gonna read the Bible from the beginning to the end five times! (laughs) And you haven't read five Psalms, like, not even the short ones. Like, Jesus wept, like, whew, that was a workout, yes. Right? You're just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dissect all of Deuteronomy, and you will die in the desert with the hit Israelites. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like I remember going to a CrossFit gym, and I hadn't, I hadn't been in any gym. I hadn't been in my home gym. I haven't even talked to anybody named Jim, <laughs> like, in a long time. And I went in there, and I saw this, like, little petite girl, and she went and got this weight, and she put it on. She did a little dip. Woo! I was like, oh, I got at least to do as much as her, right? I can't have little Minnie Mouse <laughs> outworking me. I couldn't walk for about three days and weeks or whatever, Why, right, because I was trying to do too much. So I, I want to just give you a very clear and practical in the remaining time. And uh, Kyle, you can come on up because it will help me close faster, at least mentally. But I want to give you just a practical guide, and there there are many others, but a practical guide that I use and that I think will help you to process the Bible. And again, you can do it in a short time frame. A lot of times we just think, I don't have enough time. Like, you might be like me. I'm like a weird perfectionist where if I can't fold my clothes, it was because I worked too much in retail and I had a folding board. My wife got me a folding board for our anniversary one year. God bless her. It was early on because she knew I was a little OCD when it came to shirts and it was weird. Hey, just pray for me. You know what I'm saying? Um... But I would have this weird thing where I was like, if I couldn't fold all my clothes the way I wanted to, I'd just leave a, a beautifully clean pile of laundry until I had enough time to do it the way that I wanted to do it. And there would just be that pile that would just sit there. And sometimes we just think, man, if I, can't, if I can't dissect the Scripture the way I want to, I mean, I really want to get that, that new you know, Bible curriculum, that software, and then I would really read the Bible. But I want to give you some practical things that you can do. You don't even have to go get any new equipment. You can download one little app or don't download the app. Just open up the Bible. But I want to give you something that will help you, a method that will help you engage with Scripture. Write this down. The acronym is SOAP. Some of you might be already familiar with it. SOAP. S stands for Scripture. you got to open up this Bible. As I mentioned before, I love the Bible project. That was the, the guys that made that video. This year, I would like as a church, for though I would like to invite us all to go through the Read Scripture app. Download the app. It's called Read Scripture. Tris will maybe tell you a little bit more information about it. But one of the things that this does is it has videos that give context, that give clarity to how to perceive each chapter, each section, word study, and it does it all in a chronological way so that you can see the whole of Scripture in context over the course of the year. You can go ahead and download that app or do whatever plan. Maybe you are already started following a plan. God bless you. You continue with that plan. But take time to read. Build it in your day to read time in God's Word. I I, I realized, I got convicted. I remember one day I was like, man, sometimes you get overwhelmed. I don't know if I have time to do this. How many random articles or, or things or stupid cats playing piano do you take time out of your day to watch and to take in? Set aside that time. A lot of these reading plans, it doesn't take long at all. You can read through the reading in five minutes maybe, but take time to read the Scripture. And when you're done, as you're reading it, look for that one or two verses, a specific verse that stands out. And I'll encourage you to write it down. Write it in a journal. Second is O, observation. What stuck out to you? What caught your attention? What is in the context of the passage? What do you think God is saying to you in the scripture? As you read, don't even be, don't be afraid to ask the Holy Spirit to teach you or to give you insight. One of the things as I was reading this passage in Timothy, and I was reading this letter, I was asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I want to read through this first, but help me to read it as though I am Paul in prison, writing to a loved one. Help me to feel his emotion and feel the heart behind it. And then, and then I read it again. I said, Lord, I want you to Help me to, to feel what it was like to be Timothy and reading this letter, this long awaiting Reddit letter from someone who is a mentor to me, a spiritual father to me, and really maybe the only father figure that he had. And these parting words. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and make these observations and, and then take that and maybe even paraphrase it in your journal. A is application. Personalize what you've read by asking yourself, how does it apply to my life right now? Is it instruction? Is it encouragement? Is it reproof? Is it correction? Is it revelation? One of my drama teachers used to always say, let it affect you. Let it hit you. Let it mess with you a little bit. And then begin to write down what God's stirring in. What is he calling you to do? What is it requiring of you today? And then the last P is prayer. This can be as simple as just saying, God, help. Help me. Help me to use this scripture in my life today. Help me to get deeper understanding. Help me to to know what to draw out of this. And remember that prayer is a two-way conversation. It's not just you talking at God and walking away, but take time to listen. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And I tell you, it really doesn't take that much time out of your day. And you'll always be glad. And what you'll probably find is you end up spending more time, not because you have to, but because you want to. God begins to show you a little bit more. And you're like, man, let me me wrestle with that a little bit more. Then you go throughout your day and you begin to see things that usually feel so frustrating because you're trying to figure it out on your own. God begins to bring revelation and insight. And you start to think, oh, wow, this word thing actually does work. God, I guess you are the expert in the room. the goal of this whole series it's not that you just read your bible more it's not that you get a new app it's not that you start journaling it's that you would come to know jesus that you would experience not a caricature of him not just hear about him hear experience the hearsay of god but you would develop a habit that over time you will know him you will know his voice You will know his thoughts about you. And as we know him, as we pursue him, you'd you'd be amazed at how all the other things that you're believing for start coming into alignment. When you know him, you know love. When you know him, you know true peace. When you know him, you begin to experience joy that you never knew was possible, even in the midst of the fire. When you know him, you begin to tap into the kind of unity and reconciliation that is beyond all unreconcilable differences. I want to invite you to breathe him in. I want to invite you to open this book, this bread of life. As one writer says, eat this book. Take him in. Establish this as the first of an amazing series of spiritual habits that will bring life and not just make 2018 amazing but the rest of your life change forever let's pray God I thank you that your word is true Lord, I thank you that your word is living and active and I thank you as your word says in Isaiah that it does not return void without accomplishing all that it set out to accomplish Lord, I pray that you would Lord, I, I pray that you would give some of us in here. I know some of us are re-upping a commitment. Some of us are we've read the Bible before, but there's something about re-engaging our hearts afresh. And then there's others of us that honestly it's hard for us to get beyond the skepticism. We've kind of seen or we have a bad taste in our mouth from past religious experiences. Lord, I'm asking that you would give those who are hesitant and even a little bit apprehensive of engaging in this kind of adventure, the courage to step out in faith. But you'd give them the courage to approach you free of these preconceived notions, free of cynicism, or even just bring their cynicism and allow you to, to handle that. Lord, you're not, you've never been afraid to come before judges or judgment. Lord, even as you met with Nicodemus, you were so patient with Thomas, who doubted and questioned. But I thank you that whatever place we find ourselves this morning, that you will meet us there. And what we will find will blow us away. But help us, not just this day, not just this week, but help us over the course of our lives grow in intimacy and knowledge and fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.
1: Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.